Welcome to Marketing Meets Web3, a podcast that helps marketers navigate the news, trends, opportunities, and insights surrounding Web3. Today's conversation is for information purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? Hi, Alberto. I'm great. How are you? I am fine. I am uh, hot. I'm hot too. Yeah, everybody's in the middle of hot, I think. According to the news, the, the Earth is getting to record temperatures. We're, we're, this is the hottest planet Earth we've ever seen, which is a whole other set of problems. But yeah, we're, we're all hot. Yeah, I guess this is what happens also when you record in July. But July has also some nice things, which is uh, one of them is, uh, for instance, uh, free slurpees. slurpees. Uh, how, how do you pronounce that one? <laughs> I think you're saying Slurpee, right? The 7-Eleven drink? Yeah, that's that's the one. I remember I remember traveling in um, the US from um what was it? It was New Jersey to New York. By the way, I got lost and I ended up in Philadelphia. Uh, and um on the way I I did uh, I did stop at one of these places and I saw that uh, Slurpee machine and uh, the, the only time I had seen it before was in a Simpsons episode. So I was very excited and I got uh, like a big gulp, I think it's called. And um, I don't know, it was, it, it was massive. It was full of sugar. I, I, I almost died. I think that's the reason why I got lost anyway. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You had a big gulp, but did you actually have a Slurpee? Did you have like the slushy drink? Yes, yes, that thingy that was like... Okay, uh, so you, you experienced the Slurpee. Yeah, the Slurpee is a rite of passage. It's a cultural <laughs> rite of passage. When I was a kid, you had to go through the process of creating the, the most ridiculous flavored Slurpee possible by mixing all of the flavors in one cup. It tasted disgusting and like it was, it was an absolute sugar bomb, but it was the thing to do when you were seven years old. And I guess a lot of seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, five-year-olds were playing with that mixing the past uh, 11, sorry, the past, yeah, 11th of July, sorry, because you do the numbers, you do, you do dates the other way, but yes, the 11th, the past uh, 11th of July, they were doing this, and I guess they did a lot of this mixing because um, you could do it for free. Uh, this was uh, 7-Eleven's celebration of their birthday because, well, 7-Eleven, and uh, of course, they offered this, um, this um, service for free to users, I guess, seven-year-olds, and uh, something else happened this year, which is um, the interesting part, which is that along with their Slurpee that they could uh, slurp, I guess, uh, they also received a digital collectible, a Slurpee Vibe digital collectible. So um, can you maybe talk a bit more about Slurpees because this is your thing? Yeah. So it looks like what they did is, like you're saying, they you could claim a Slurpee digital collectible, Slurpee Vibe digital collectible, which is an NFT. Uh, this was on the Polygon chain or is on the Polygon chain. Um, and so really simple process. You go to the website, you scan a QR code, and then you launch this process where you have kind of like flavor mixers um, and you claim your Slurpee Vibe digital collectible. I've not gone through the process, so uh, I, I think I'll have to see what this is about. Uh, and it sounds like it's kind of similar to the Slim Jim uh, experience you could sort of do it again if you didn't like it there was a little bit of gamification it sounds like or at least a game like experience um and once you got to kind of a happy place with your slurpee creation you hit the claim now button you fill out some details namely your name your email address and a phone number and you claim your digital collectible um the creator of that collectible then receives this nft on the polygon blockchain of course in their wallet and so now they have this uh, tokenized asset that is 
7-Eleven branded, but it belongs to them. Um, and they're off to the races and they can begin their journey with 7-Eleven Slurpees. So let's dig into some of the stuff that we see going on in this mint. I think, you know, what we try to do in a lot of these uh, news items is dig into some of the patterns and, you know, what is this saying for the entire industry? So I think, first of all, this game-like experience, this sort of choose-your-own-adventure or create-your-own-collectible is something we're seeing over and over again. Um, and that's really connecting back to the idea of co-creation, right? With Web3, one of the things that your customers and your audiences can do, thanks to the, the sort of benefits of Web3, is they can create products and experiences alongside the brand. So it would have been easy for 7-Eleven just to put up some uh, you know, 3D images of Slurpees and make those claimable items on their website. But instead, they said, you know what, let's, let's bring our fans into this process. Let's let them create their own virtual Slurpee and then mint that Slurpee as a digital collectible. So you know, the benefit to that for a brand is that you now, even if it seems you know, somewhat uh, superfluous or it's a little bit silly, um, it's fun, right? And when people have fun, they associate good feelings with your brand. And that means that they're going to come back or they're going to have good vibes about you. And, and you know, when they're making a choice about product, they're going to go with the one they feel better about. And so by having a good experience, having a fun experience with this Slurpee creator, you know, it's reinforcing the idea that 7-Eleven is uh, co-creating with their customers. They're making something together and then they're creating that thing and making that a permanent part of the customer's collection right of, of these digital collectibles and i'm fully convinced that in the future you know as consumers we're going to have hundreds if not thousands of these collectibles and we'll have our own personal inventories in fact i, I wrote an article for coin telegraph a, a while ago about this whole concept but the idea that we're going to have these lockers these personal lockers of these digital collectibles that are really going to say or tell a story about who we are, about our interests, about the places that we've been, the experiences and the moments that we've had. And that's going to be a really unique way for us to, to have more personalized experiences as brands recognize those sorts of uh, you know, identifiers across public blockchains. They're going to be able to target people in new and interesting ways. They're going to be able to create offers that are much more compelling and that resonate with their target audience much better than today's sort of targeted advertising even. So uh, yeah, this is interesting. I think the other thing that we're seeing in this news item is this idea that um, the uh, the soulbound, which I don't know if we talked about, but these are soulbound NFTs, which means that uh, people cannot trade them away. And that's interesting from a brand perspective because it's a little bit of a safety net. It keeps them uh, from having to worry about people that, that want to come in and game the system or are only there to speculate and make money. Instead, this is really just a, a digital item. It's a digital collectible. Uh, it's yours. It belongs to you and you help create it. Yeah, it's a, it's a few things. So in in some ways, it's true what you're saying that there's, there's some kind of template that, that the industry is, is, is starting to use. And uh, we talked about Slim Jim's. We talked about another one I'm forgetting at the moment that also followed a similar a similar pattern. But uh, for instance, in this case, we have the um, requirements to get this um, to get this uh, NFT or this digital collectible. So they're asking for your name, for your email address, and a phone number. I, I don't recall this happening for Slim Jims, for instance. I think you could just create it, and you, you didn't need to give any kind of information, which 
I'm not saying that this is good or bad, but uh, I think it's interesting that uh, some different companies are testing with this. And uh, if um, if um, the email, uh, the email or the email address or the phone number become a thing, um, this could become one uh, avenue for getting more information from your customer and then be able to reach them for similar campaigns. Like I'm guessing next year, everybody who who got a an NFT from from them. Uh, one of these digital collectibles, one of these Slurpees, is probably going to receive an email uh, saying, hey, it's this time of the year, it's, again, it's hot again, uh, you can go again and mix some new flavors and see what you get. And again, we will give you a new digital collectible. Uh, so this this could be something that I guess is going to happen. It didn't happen in other in other projects. Uh, we will see who, who, is the, who is the one that's uh, going to be, I guess, the standard uh, as we as we go along. The other thing I was thinking when I was seeing this is that, well, the fact that creating a wallet for a user is essentially free um, and that you are making this uh, very simple for, for the users, taking all the complexity away, means that the user that is following this route is getting a new wallet created for them, in this case from 7-Eleven, with this, with this digital collectible, which is very uh, likely that uh, for a while at least it will only hold this digital collectible and uh, if uh, we start to see these for coke pepsi uh, and other drinks that you have uh, on the road um you could you could end up you could end up the year with maybe a hundred different wallets with one uh digital collectible on each so that could be messy i don't know uh, this is going to be the end goal i guess it makes more sense as we go along to ask the user if they want to connect their own wallet or they should receive one from from the creator of the nft but uh, this could be this could be something that i guess um, needs to be worked out in the future because it doesn't make sense at the end of five years to have like a thousand different wallets with uh, with one nft in each of them and, uh, and yeah so those are those are a few things that are, are different although similar and um, that uh, that, that we will see how how they eventually get played out. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I think the pattern here with uh, collecting information about your customer, um, you know, like like most modern marketing, you know, there has to be a reason, right? There has to be a justification for collecting that info. The consumer has to see the value in opting in. So again, I didn't go through this experience, but I'm assuming that there's some sort of incentive for the consumer to share that information. But providing that they are willing to share that information, um, then this can be a great way to start that conversation with the customer. This can be a new way to sort of ask for that information in exchange for something of value. You know, even again, even if this is just a fun moment that the consumer wants to collect, um, and you know, maybe that's just something they want to share on social media, or they want to, you know, just look back and because it was funny, it made them chuckle. Um, you know, or it brought back memories of childhood, like my seven-year-old experience uh, in Seven Eleven. You know. Getting them to give a little bit of information in exchange for that digital collectible, I think, makes a lot of sense. And that's a pattern that I do expect that we'll see over and over again. Um, to your point about wallets and what do we do if we end up with thousands of items in separate wallets, um, I think it's it's a totally fair point. And at some point, the consumer is going to want to have some of those collectibles in the same place or will have a reason to. I think right now the trade-off is... You know, do you create a really easy and great experience that gets people in the door without having to even think about a wallet? Or do you push them to try to create this wallet and go through this complex experience? Because 
face it, you know, creating a Web3 wallet, it's gotten a lot easier, but it's nowhere near simple. Uh, the average person does not want to go through the process of creating a Web3 wallet. They don't want to do things like remember seed phrases. They could care less about self-custody. Um, but what is important is that they have a really great experience. So right now we're in the phase and we saw this with Reddit. We've seen this with Starbucks, you know, all of these different experiences that are sort of leading the way for Web3 are demonstrating over and over and over again that you really need to lead with a great user experience first, prioritize that, get people in the door, get them excited about what you're actually doing once they have that collectible, whether it's building a community or creating uh, access to new experiences, get them on board first, get buy-in, convince them that you're delivering some sort of value. And when the time is right, then transition them, help them get into a Web3 wallet as it makes sense, a self-custody wallet as it makes sense, because that's really when it matters to the consumer. Um, unless there's a problem to solve or there's some sort of incentive on the other side, you know, humans are pretty good at doing the same thing over and over again. We don't like change. And so I think you know, the, the writing is on the wall for now. Uh, make sure that that user experience is your first priority. And when we get to the point in time with all of this where it makes sense to move those collectibles into a new wallet, then that's the time to, to help consumers get there. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Step3, an engagement marketing platform that helps brands build deeper customer relationships. Step3 makes it easy to design custom branded membership programs that include rewards like exclusive content, VIP event passes, merchandise, discounts, and more. Unlock new revenue streams and enhance customer lifetime value with Step3's easy-to-use no-code tools. Go to step3.io to learn more. One area in which... Um humans are willing to take uh, different choices and even go through a few hoops to get uh, what they want is in uh, traveling, something that also happens a lot in this time of the year. And um, I came across this um, opinion article that said, that argued that travel will bring a new wave of uh, Web3 mass adoption. And basically what the article says is that NFTs could be a nice, awesome, incredible way uh, of um, um, well, incredible way for um, travel traveling companies. Uh, it could be airline companies, it could be hotel companies. So everything that surrounds the traveling experience, it could be an awesome way for them to make uh, to create more value for the users. They argue that traveling is somewhat broken and that um, the way to connect all of these uh, parts of your journey, of your traveling, uh, could be through Web3 and through NFTs. So uh, they, of course, uh, this, this, this uh, piece doesn't go through, the, through how to exactly do this in detail, you know, with details about, okay, what's actually going to be happening in the future. But they argue that uh, NFTs could make this a lot more simple. And we can first discuss whether you agree with this position or not. Uh, the other thing um, I I want to I want to discuss is uh, well, we are here every week talking about um, brands, companies using Web three, and uh, travel is not one that has uh, come across yet. They argue it's going to come soon, uh, but uh, first, okay, what do you think about uh, uh, NFTs fixing? If it has to be fixed, travel. Well, first of all, I think travel is a huge industry, <laughs> a ginormous industry that 
you know, if we're going to talk about solving problems, I think we have to get much more granular than travel. So we would need to zero in on a particular aspect of travel, whether that's airline ticketing or luggage identification or car rental or accommodations. Like I think getting down to specific sectors of the industry um, is the first place to start because otherwise, you know, I look at something like Web3 is going to fix travel and it takes me back to the early days of blockchain when everything on the blockchain was a thing. And literally there was that, what was it, the, the Long Island Tea Company or some one of these companies that had nothing to do with blockchain added blockchain to their name and they saw this stock valuation go up, which is crazy, right? It's just, it's pure hype. It's speculative. It has nothing to do with the technology or the value of the technology. So my first reaction to this kind of uh, opinion is that uh, it's hype and I need to know much more about the problem that they're proposing to solve or proposing can be solved by Web3. Um, that being said, I have I have one know, before before you get there. I have one uh, one of yeah, the yeah. one of the things they say, and uh, please forget my laughing here. Is imagine a world. I'm quoting the article now. Imagine a world where changing the name on a ticket or registering a pet for a flight becomes hassle-free, streamlined, and efficient. Close quote. So this this could be one of the problems. Come on, Nick. Don't you see the value in here? But I mean, yeah. come on. So. How does putting an NFT in the middle of that make that process any less hassle-free? Because let's talk about the friction in that process. If you're going to change the name, the reason it's hard is because there's a traveler record associated with your uh, your database entry in the airline that you're flying with. And so that needs to be updated. And there are real consequences to that too. Things like a passenger manifest, right? That has to be updated to make sure that you know all of the souls on board are accounted for as that you know, hollow tube of aluminum is soaring through the air at 600 miles an hour. Uh, so, you know, just throwing an NFT into the mix of things, as we've seen over and over again, it's, 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 it's not, NFTs are not a panacea. They don't fix everything. They're not magic fairy dust that make businesses better. They can be an accelerant. They can be a way to create uh, new opportunities for engagement. And they can really, you know, truly solve problems when the problem is related to things like authenticity or in the future, hopefully things like identity verification, but the technology isn't there yet. And so when I look at something like registering a pet, for instance, you know, what, what has to happen behind the scenes to register a pet to fly with you? Well, you have to be able to certify that that pet is of a certain breed and a certain size and in a certain condition of health to be able to fly. You have to pay a fee to the airline for being able to fly with that pet. And then you probably have to do some sort of preparation for check-in uh, when you get to the airport to make sure that that pet's registered with the airline and they know that there's going to be an animal on board. So, you know, those are all very discrete areas of that problem or that process that all have their potential for, for different kinds of hassle. And so how does an NFT make that any better? I just, I, I fail to see the, uh, the solution with this one. Or really the problem that's being solved. Okay, I am failing here with you because uh, <laughs> I agree this may not be this may not be awesome. But okay, let's go to the second part. Then we are talking about uh, brands getting into Web three. Um, every week we find a, a lot more examples, and um, in many cases they are doing they are doing this to create or to explore the possibility of creating a community to reward their users to reward their audiences. And uh, one sector, one area, one 
uh, yeah, one sector that does this a lot is, uh, of course, airlines. They have they all, all of them pretty much have this um, point-based uh, loyalty loyalty reward programs. And um, I haven't seen. I know maybe we need to do some research, but I haven't seen any companies announcing that uh, they want to improve or to want to they want to explore the possibility of adding Web three or adding some kind of NFT improvement to their to their loyalty reward uh, programs and and i find this a bit surprising that everybody is get, well almost everybody is getting into this and these big companies with these big programs are not doing anything at all so why, why do you think is that i think right now there's not a lot of incentive for a, an airline for instance to tokenize their loyalty program and turn those points into something that can be freely traded by the consumer or even traded inside of a closed ecosystem. You know, if you look at the airline partnerships with rewards, they're with mega companies, right? So you look at, uh, you know, Delta partnering with Starbucks so that your points kind of, you know, whether you earn it for the cup of coffee or you earn it for the flight, they're, inter- they're interoperable. Um, that's a massive undertaking for both of those companies when you think about the scale, the awareness that they have to bring to their customer bases, and so for them, you know, the incentive is is low to try to create those partnerships in a much more sort of open way, which I think is the promise of Web3 loyalty, right? It's just the, the, the idea that we can take the loyalty points that we earn or the recognition as customers, and we can take that to earn benefits at another business. As a consumer, that's really interesting. And as a smaller business or a business that's competing um, in an area where there are hundreds or thousands of choices, that might be more interesting. And that might be a way for me to acquire new customers or retain my existing customers because I'm leaning into their preferences to shop at other merchants or things that are complementary to my business. In the case of airlines, it's super competitive, right? There are are maybe four or five big airlines in the United States. Uh, and worldwide, I assume that the situation is the same. You know, airlines are dominated by huge players who have very high incentive to retain their customers and keep that walled garden closed. So I just don't see a lot of reason for the travel industry to want to raise their hand and start tokenizing loyalty points. I don't think it's, it, it plays to their favor right now. Now, that being said, if Web3 loyalty takes hold and consumers begin to expect this sort of interoperable experience, we may reach a tipping point where consumers are now in more control and they're saying, you know what, this is exactly how I expect to interact with travel. And this is what I want for my loyalty program. And there will be enough sort of, you know, noise from their customer base that it makes sense for them to start going down that path. That's how technology generally rolls up to the big players. You know, you think about e-commerce. How long did it take for travel to become an electronic booking situation you know there was a time when you would if you wanted to go fly and take a trip you would go to a travel office and you would sit down with a travel agent and they would talk to you about well where do you want to go and what does that trip look like and they would get on their terminal and they had access to a proprietary system and it wasn't very long after that that people started waking up to the idea of e-commerce uh, you know, maybe a decade and a half later, these ideas started to trickle into the consumer's mind. And now the idea of going into an office to book your airline flight is completely unfathomable. 
right? The, the idea that you wouldn't be able to go online and book a flight is just crazy. And so the same thing could happen with loyalty and Web3 and travel. So that's where I see the opportunity or the potential for this to actually turn into a real consumer benefit. But I think it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Uh, I agree with that. And I agree, of, uh, I agree with uh, your point of the users actually having to make some noise. And um, talking about noise... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hope there are not a lot of uh, Harry Styles fans in here, but <laughs> talking, talking about noise, uh, Harry Styles uh, uh, had a concert recently in, uh, I think it was Scotland, and uh, in, this, uh, in, in this concert, the assistants, the, well, the, the fans that uh, arrived at that venue, which again, I hope no, none of them is listening to this, uh, they all had the opportunity of uh, downloading a an NFT. And... Um, basically have the ticket that they purchased to be at this event and also an NFT that is going to be well proof forever, immutable proof, let's say, of uh, their assistance to this uh, to this concert. And what I find interesting is that there were 80,000 um, people coming to this um, to this uh, event and uh, it's uh, it's told by this uh, piece of by, by this article that 5,000 of them actually claimed this um, this um, these wallets and 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 this and this NFT, so very very I think a very interesting, um, a very interesting article in in the, in the sense that it's giving us some um, some metrics as to you know people attending a place and people doing something to uh, to get something in this case uh, getting this getting this um, this digital wallet and uh, and this and this and this NFT so interesting I think but uh, I don't know what what is your take. Yeah, so let's start with the the metric. So let's see, five thousand of eighty thousand fans claimed wallets through the app, and that garnered over one hundred thousand unique interactions. So that's, according to my math, about a six point two five percent engagement rate. So of their fan base at the concert, six point two five percent of those people engaged with this experience, which is low. I don't I don't know this industry in terms of uh, benchmarks, but I'm assuming that, you know, compared to other types of engagement, that's pretty low. But this is also new tech, and this is a new way to interact with fans. So the fact that anybody's interacting with this is, is pretty interesting. And then they said they had 100,000 unique interactions. So, you know, again, you look at the math on that, that's about 20 interactions per, uh, per person who decided to engage with this this experience. Now, I don't know how they're measuring those unique unique interactions, you know, I don't know. Metrics are always subject to a little bit of interpretation or a lot of interpretation. Uh so, you know, whether that was, you know, one sort of flow in their app or whether that were that was multiple uh experiences throughout the course of the concert, who knows? But, you know, I think as a proof of concept, as an experiment, this is pretty interesting. I think overall, the idea of using Web3 technology to engage with fans, I think is one of the biggest areas of opportunity for the entire industry. And the reason why is because if you think about the typical fan, you think about the fan persona, these are people who have paid increasingly large amounts of money to see a performer. I mean, think about some of the ticket prices on uh, Taylor Swift. I mean, we're, we're talking astronomical ticket prices people are paying to go sit at a taylor swift concert sorry harry uh, i think she's got you beat on the ticket price for now 
but you know, so these are people that are completely committed and invested in that experience. And why wouldn't they want to take a little bit of extra time and maybe even go through a little bit of friction to, to create a bigger, a better, a longer lasting experience, whether that's, you know, leading up to the event or after the event, giving them, you know, some sort of interaction with the artist, the opportunity to buy merch, the, you know, chance to win some sort of exclusive experience. Those are all areas where we don't have a great way with today's systems to do that, right? Maybe you join an artist's email list and maybe they email you after the event or before the event. But how many times have you gone to an event and then you look at your email the next day and you're like, oh, I missed that email. I didn't enter that chance to win, you know, VIP backstage passes. Um, or, you know, it was a fun event, but you never think about it again because you get a thousand emails a week and it's just, it's, it's a channel that's flooded with noise. So this idea of having an app experience and tying that app experience to some sort of uh, digital asset, whether it's a ticket or a collectible that identifies you as an event attendee and then creates a larger surface area for artists to have a conversation and interact with their fans, I think it's, it's, it's actually one of the best use cases, I think, for this technology right now. You know what I would like to see? Uh, we talked about friction before. Uh, we talked about how 7-Eleven was going for the zero friction. Well, somewhat, you know, uh, for, for, forgetting the asking for uh, email and all that. Um, I've zero friction uh, experience where you, you just sign up and then you get your NFT in a wallet that, that, that they create for you. In this case... They, they were asking users to, um, to download this um, app that's going to have their, a wallet included on it. That's going to be the one that's going to give you the, the opportunity to then in the future access rewards because you were at this concert. So the friction in this case, I think, is much greater, in my opinion. And this is why I would like to see a comparison of another event where users uh, could, could just uh, claim their NFT. So assuming they have a wallet, that would be one option, one, 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 one scenario. Assuming they have a wallet, just claim the NFT for attending this, this concert. And in another, in another scenario, we could, we could see uh, what could be the claiming rate when at, at, at the concert you can request with a QR code uh, to claim this and then the, the venue or the, or the, yeah, the, venue or the people uh, launching this, 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 this concert is going to create the wallet and have the, um, the NFT sent to you like similarly to what, uh, to what 7-Eleven is doing. And I would like to compare those three to see, to see if um, the interactions uh, become greater under, this, under these two other, other cases. Because uh, it feels to me that downloading a, an app is, um, is a bit more um, friction that um, is added to a user. I mean, I, I, I struggle. I, I don't really like adding new apps. In my case, I have, a, I have an iPhone and I have two screens, so two menus. I don't want to go for the third. So the, the third to me is like banned. That I, I don't want to have anymore. Two is okay. Um, and I, I guess there are a lot, of more, a lot more people like me that wouldn't like to have a lot of apps in there. So this, this becomes a bit more friction. So I, I, I like having a wallet and having NFTs on it or having the, possi the possibility of creating new wallets, of course, with a MetaMask or some other kind of, um, of wallet. But, um, but yeah, so I, I wonder if, you know, in a different scenario, whether the interaction would be, would be greater. Because I, I, I really, I agree with you that this is very interesting, but I, I, I'm not sure that you really need another app to do this. So I see why they would be offering an app because that means that they are going to, own the experience but um 
well, I don't think this is necessary. And I don't think in the future this is going to this is going to fly. Well, but let me propose an idea to you. So what if the future app was actually just a specialized wallet? So today, you know, we think about apps as this experience that's very connected to a single brand or maybe a single type of experience. Earlier, we talked about a tipping point where consumers will have enough of these collectibles that represent, again, their interests, their experiences, their engagement with brands that they'll want to see some sort of benefit or there will be a benefit to them being able to have those uh, those digital collectibles in a single place. And so today, you know, the way we would do that in Web3 is, well, you, you put those in your own wallet, right? Now I have my MetaMask or my Rainbow or my Coinbase wallet, and those hold my collectibles. And that's how I basically kind of aggregate all of my experiences from these interactions. But in the future, it could very well be that the app or the wallet actually becomes an app. And so rather than just being a general purpose wallet, we could have something like a fan app, which is actually a wallet underneath. And that's a place where you collect all of your concert tickets. And now, as a fan, I have a way to sort of show who I am as a fan, right? I can show that, yeah, I've been to 10 concerts in the past 12 months, and this is the type of music, and these are the types of seats that I prefer, and this is the merch that I bought. And not only is that interesting from a marketer perspective, because that's you know a much higher level of granularity on who that person is. And so you can propose better and more meaningful offers to consumers. But as a fan, it's also interesting because it allows me to sort of create an identity on top of my experiences. So rather than just saying, yeah, I like music, I'm into, you know, rock and indie, it actually creates an area where on top of all of those experiences, what if I have an identity? What if I have an avatar? What if that avatar is represented by another NFT, which reflects my interaction with the fan experience, right? So as I go to concerts, maybe my, my NFT changes to reflect how many concerts I'm going to or the type of music that I'm listening to. So I think that's where an actual experience that's dedicated to a particular type or category of digital collectibles could make a lot of sense. And I think it's where we might see some interesting experimentation with this idea that, you know, it makes sense to collect your your digital assets into a single place, what we call today a wallet, what tomorrow could be an app. Who knows? I see, but I will need more convincing. <laughs> anyway, you have time to, to do so over the next um, episodes. We can leave this one uh, here. And uh, as always, it's been great talking to you. Sounds great. Thanks, Alberto. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Marketing Meets Web3. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe in your favorite podcast app.